This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. Welcome to Lama Surya Das's Awakening Now podcast. We are very pleased to share with you Lama's unique illumination of the awakened awareness teachings. If you are interested in supporting Lama Surya Das's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/suryadas. The four immeasurables, the four harditudes, the Brahma Viharas, the four boundless. May all beings possess happiness and the inner causes of happiness, which is virtue. May all beings be free from suffering and the inner causes of suffering, which is non-virtue. May all beings remain undivided from the sacred joy, which is free from suffering. May all beings come to rest in great peace and equanimity beyond attachment and aversion to friends, enemies, or strangers. So here we have the four Brahma Viharas from the Mahayana Sutras, the, the scriptures of universal liberation, not just in individual liberation or self-growth, self-development, but universal liberation. The Bodhisattva vows. Um, these are the four Brahma Viharas, hard to translate, four immeasurable aspirations, four harditudes, four boundless. What are they? Number one, benevolence. Look at what it says. May all beings be happy. So that's loving kindness, metta, maitri. And second, karuna, compassion. May all beings be free from suffering and the inner causes of suffering. Compassion for those who suffer and be resonating with them, feeling what they feel and be moved to help. Third, may all beings are made undivided from joy. So joy, rejoicing in the virtues and benefits and success of others. Joy, rejoicing. And fourth, equanimity, impartiality, equal to all. Very important. In fact, in our tradition, we put that first because it's, we can't really practice loving kindness and compassion and joy if we're partial, if we just think about it for ourselves or for our loved one or, you know, or nuclear family members. So in the Tibetan tradition, this um, upeksha or equanimity and partiality comes first. And that from that, we develop unconditional love 
impartial compassion, not pity, impartial compassion, warm, empathic compassion, and joy, enjoying the, the virtues and successes of others, the attitude to pride, uh, covetousness, and envy, kvelling in Yiddish, mudita in Sanskrit, the orphaned one of these four that almost nobody teaches about, mudita, kvelling, rejoicing in the success and virtue of others, mudita, in Yiddish kvelling, like kvelling in the success of your children or grandchildren, not just proud, but rejoicing in their success, the opposite of competing, the antidote to envy and covetousness, jealousy. I love these four heartitudes, these four beautiful attitudes of heart, these four Brahma-viharas, as they're called, in the original language, Pali or Sanskrit, the four boundless good qualities, the four faces of Buddha's love, as I call it in my book, uh, Awakening the Buddhist Heart, about love, the different kinds of and levels of love. These Brahma-viharas, loving-kindness, joy, compassion, and equanimity, or impartial, equal to all. And I lately have thought to add a fifth, I think it's important, which is like forgiveness or mercy or something like that, including self-forgiveness and being gentle with yourself. Of course, you could fit into loving kindness, compassion, but I think it's worth talking about. The uh, Christians and, and Jews talk about that a lot more. So I think we're a little missing that in American Buddhism, that part, since we don't think of it as there's somebody to forgive us, like a creator God or Jesus Savior. And yet self-forgiveness or confession, acknowledgement to Vajrasattva purification is like that. And um, anyway, I think of the fifth boundless, the fifth face of Buddha's love, the first heartitude as forgiveness and uh, mercy, uh, gentleness. So the great Buddha of love, the Mahasattva, Bodhisattva, Avalokiteshvara, Chinrezi in Tibetan, Kuan Yin in China, Kanon in Japan, Kuan Ziyam in Korea, all the same, Ray or archetype personification of a principle, the principle of what? The principle of unconditional love and compassion, and all these four or five Brahma-viharas, these four or five heartitudes. Thus, he, she, it's the androgynous, is imaged with four arms. Could somebody come up behind me and put up the other two arms? Who wants to do that? If we had more multimedia, we could show this animated, multi-dimensional, how you meditate on this four arms. What, one needs a mala and one needs a, something else, a crystal. What does the other arm hold? A lotus? No, a lotus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so four arms. One holding a crystal, the blue crystal of the Buddha mind. <laughs> <laughs> that radiates throughout the universe. These two, and then the lotus of compassion and the mala of, of wisdom, meditation. Okay, thank you, Chinrezi. Go back to your, go back to your uh, launching pad. <laughs> it would be so easy to animate these things and have them shown you know, how you do it, build up a visualization in Vajrayana Buddhism. But that's not our subject today. <laughs>
I can't remember what our subject is, so I'm kind of filibustering. Now, as always, it's going to be the view, meditation, and action, and fourth enhancement or integration with daily life of the great perfection. As Buddhism has always explained, Arshish, from the ground up, Sheila, Samadhi, Prajna, are you writing or are you calling up what's there? Okay. As Buddhism has always explained, according to the Eightfold Path, ethics and built on that mindfulness meditation and built on that wisdom and love, the three enlightenment trainings taught by Buddha, the gradual path, ethics, meditation, wisdom. Dzogchen has always taught and Mahamudra sister practice, the non-dual awareness practice, swooping down from above with the view, the bigger picture as it is. Then into the meditation of non-meditation, leaving it as it is. And then into the action of just as it happens, as it needs to be. These are really three in one. But the view is like your Welton Chong, your worldview, your Gestalt, you know, your highest insights, like where you're coming from. It's not views and opinions. The meditation of non-meditation, of the view seeing it as it is, the meditation leaving it as it is, and the action just as is, however it's called for, needs to be, not compulsively pushing your own habitual karmic patterns. Thank you. We used to um, have whiteboards, but this is much, much better. And these will be printed out and hung on the bulletin board in the reading room. <laughs> My puppet master over there pulling the strings. These will be printed out and hung on the bulletin board in the reading room. <laughs> on that wing. Thank you, Mentla. So in this session, we began with a little chanting and warm-up exercises to demystify it. We began with a little chanting, praying to Guru Rinpoche and Buddha, humbling ourselves, requesting blessings, assistance, guidance, and practicing receiving blessings and, you know, taking in the light and finally we'll be radiating out the light. So mutual reciprocity, not one-way street, not just up, but also grounded and in multi-dimensional multiverse, not just up or down or good or bad or light left or right, but the big picture, the big tigli, the ultimate sphere, the dharmakaya, the mandala of wholeness and oneness. As I mentioned, the five perfections, according to Vajrayana Buddhism, that this is the perfect time and place, here and now. This is the perfect time, here and now. This is the perfect place, here and now, the perfect mandala. The perfect teacher, Kuntazampa, this is the voice of the primordial Buddha, of enlightenment, of innate awakefulness, of, of pre-enlightenment, of the great perfection since the beginning. Time, place, teacher, teaching. This is the perfect teaching, non-dual as it is, not getting there, but being there while getting there every step of the way. This is a distinction of non-dual practice, not just progressive practice, climbing the 
spiritual mountain, getting higher, getting there, higher consciousness, many lifetimes to enlightenment, 10 stages, Bhumis to enlightenment, Buddhahood the 11th, but getting from here to totally here, direct access, the perfect teaching. And fifth, so we have perfect time, perfect place, perfect teaching, teacher, perfect teaching. And the fifth one, which is by far the hardest, perfect student. <laughs> that means oneself, just to make it explicit. And in this, the great perfection is beyond perfect and perfect, good and bad. It means as it is. I'm okay, you're okay, as the book says. What's the problem? What problem do we need to make up or worry about? And if there is something, we just deal with it. Nothing extra, <coughs> nothing to get rid of. So from the view of nothing more to do, of the great perfection of things left, uh, things seen just as they are, comes the meditation of non-meditation, of seeing through, of being through, of treasured, of leaving it as it is. Seeing it as it is, the view, the outlook, be, be, uh, leaving it as it is, is the meditation practice. Awareness alone, not manipulation, interference, radiating light, not interfering, not trying to improve things. Just aware of whatever comes up, awareness of awareness, naked awareness, rigpa, innate wakefulness, not fabricated temporary states of mind like concentration or light beams, so not visualizing, just leaving it as this is the practice, the view, the meditation practice, and then the action, however it is. If there are no wave, wind, there's no waves. If there's karmic winds, if there are needs, then there, there are waves, there are actions. We'll get to that toward the end of the week, action. Right now, I want to focus on the view and the meditation of non-meditation, the practice of Dzogchen, the outlook, seeing it as it is, aware, clear awareness. It says in the original meditation manuals of the Pali tradition of Theravada Buddhism, bare awareness, in other words, not visualizing, not praying, not hoping and wishing. Bare awareness, choiceless awareness, bare attention, and so on. These are the original text words taught by Buddha about mindfulness and awareness practice. Of course, there are many other words and pithy instructions, tips and pointers that have developed over 2,600 years of people do millions of people delete these things, getting the benefits. So I'm concentrating mainly on Tregchud, Dzogchen, natural awareness, Tregchud, seeing through, cutting through, being through. Tregchud is a Tibetan word. If you try to read Buddhist books, Dzogchen books, you see these words with different translations. Cutting through is literal, cutting to pieces. Seeing through is my translation, being through, no matter what. Being through and through, being through with it all. Seeing through, seeing through the illusion of separateness, seeing through the illusion of I want and I don't want, of good and bad. Seeing through the illusion, the duality of distraction and, and concentration. Just being through. It's simple, but it may not always be easy. But it's very doable and accessible. And we don't need foreign languages or iconography 
or to visualize anything. So in the beginning, we began with a little chanting. Then the main part of the practice was this awareness practice, as I instructed with the three naturals, natural body, natural breath, energy, and third natural heart-mind. Body, breath, or energy, and heart-mind. As it is, no special asana or position or mudra, hand gestures needed. No beads or mantra counting needed. Natural breath, natural voice. And as it is, natural awareness. So we even meditate with our eyes open and ears open and nose open and mouth open and heart and everything open. Part of everything, one with everything, open to everything, allowing everything, embracing everything, friendly. What words can describe it? Open and yet aware, not empty-headed, not empty like a glass, but open like a window. There's a difference. Just like glass, which is transparent, is different than a crystal. Crystal has many different potentials sparkles more like a diamond it can refract light and make all the colors so similarly open and aware with this crystal clear awareness that is not inert or just empty like a glass but it's more like a crystal or diamond like a diamond that could cut through anything but can't be cut that's the notion of treasure or cutting through incisive insight penetrating awareness seeing through being through practice, the main practice of Dzogchen. So that's what I'm emphasizing this week, the view of meditation in action and the enhancement, Bogdan, integration. The view, vast like the sky, without center or corners or periphery. Again, open, aware, luminous, not concentrating, down onto a candle flame or our breath or nose tip or the tip of a vajra as some people do put this on the altar or candle flame or visualization or mantra no panoramic awareness open and aware lucid attentive attention and intention of the essence of the buddhist way of awakening enlightenment so we that was the main part of meditation first the chanting and breathing exercise to warm up then the main naked awareness meditation non-meditation being not doing and third we go out singing and chanting and praying with the loving kindness and compassion the brahma vihara's mantra the buddhist heart mantra omani padmi hung sharing the wealth the good fortune the virtues the merit of our sittings as buddha said the merits, the good fortune, the good karma, the wealth with all, not just hoarding it for ourselves and hoping we can get from here to our room without anybody looking at us, keep it to ourselves. No, that's the wrong direction. Open. Breathing in and breathing out, mutual reciprocity with everyone and everything. Like I mentioned last night, sky gazing, star gazing, river ripples, flow gazing, forest bathing, as they call it in Japan being more tenderized, permeable, interpenetrative, transrealescent, not solid, not concrete, not hiding behind our moat with the drawbridge raised, not 
hiding behind our armor of character and defense mechanisms. Open, aware. One of the meanings of the tough philosophical concept of Buddhism, shunyata, weakly translated as emptiness or voidness, is openness or spaciousness. It's an effulgent void. It's the womb of emptiness. It's not just a vacuum or an empty glass. It's the womb of all the Buddhas, sunyata, infinite openness. Perhaps subjectivity isn't the bad word for it. Things are not what they think they are. Things are empty of their attributions, of what we attribute to them. Subject, the great subjectivity that helps us question and perhaps like reduce our clinging fixation and attachment when we look into it. Oh, things are not always what they seem to be. Oh, I didn't know all that. Otherwise, I might have had a different opinion. Let's us loosen a little our tight grip on things. Let's us loosen a little our tight grasp on things that are in any case passing through our fingers, impermanent, ephemeral phenomena ownerless phenomena, selfless phenomena rolling on. That's why non-attachment and letting go is so much stressed in Buddhism. Many will say non-attachment is the main virtue, although most say wisdom and compassion, but you'll hear these things. Free and easy in Dzogchen. Imaho, wondrous. Ah. This moment, only moment. Ah. No barbed wire entanglements of concepts and past and future concerns have congealed yet. Just, ah. In the fourth time, beyond past, present, to future, linear time, just the fourth time, the holy now, and now, and now. The timeless time, holy now. I've written a whole book about this called Buddha Standard Time. BST, not BS. You won't find this written about elsewhere, Shicha, the fourth time, the timeless time, the moment of now. Although people like Eckhart Tolle and others do a good job talking about the nowness and the power of now, I recommend. So, any questions, please? Yes, Dr. Terry, hi. How are you feeling today, doctor? <laughs> good, thanks. I hope so. You can hear me there? Yeah. So, as we're getting into this, we talk a lot about delusion. And um, then we're talking about openness and as it is. And so, I find in that a lot of possibility for confusion. Um, for example, you know, in everyday life, if we open up, and we're being thinking less in a normal way, more openly, um, I would say more imaginative, you know, letting, letting things be. That's what a lot of people around me would call delusional. Well, you're sitting in the wrong place. You should move. <laughs> we'll find some new, new friends sitting around you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you said. I didn't mean that. I know what you mean. 
but now we're talking about other people who aren't here and right. you know so let me just say first a word like illusion delusion ignorance confusion these are all translations of the idea of avidya not knowing so we shouldn't get too confused if we want to break it down you know illusion maya is translated as illusion but it's all in the same area so that doesn't necessarily imply thinking less or not in a normal way i mean we could discuss what's a normal way of thinking but let's not go into that just you know seeing things as they are and having more clarity cleaning the schmutz or kaka off the windshield off the windshield it can only help us drive of course if we're not driving or just sitting in the car maybe it doesn't matter but in general car windshield driving you know seeing goes together so seeing in distorted fashions through not knowing or ignorance which is not just mental but you know like wrong habits like whenever you're bored reaching for an electronic device or food or some addiction you know that's like r wrong habits so that's kind of part of the confusion or the illusion that it'll make us happy or feel better we're confused about where what we long for really is or comes from so it doesn't imply thinking less or thinking different but it, it sort of might but some of the you know sharpest people most educated people in the world are good meditators they, they're not blotto in daily life so go on with your question besides you know that people around you might think that it's delusional i mean mystics have visionaries and people who you know like let's just pick on some psychiatrist tell them that they're you know, sometimes that they're delusional but then the mystics are remembered for for centuries by their you know enlightening insights that not everybody can have and psychiatrists aren't and maybe the psychiatrists were wrong or half right and half wrong or you know it's a big risk being a mystic coming that unglued being that open so you have to find the middle way in your own practical life and then in your spiritual contemplations or mystical life you uh, have other boundaries or you know ways of being that's why mahayana buddhism stresses the absolute truth of reality and the relative truth of reality where karma and causation works but in the absolute reality this is the perfect time the perfect place perfect teaching the perfect student and all that perfect doesn't mean without any flaws it just means maha ati zokpachempo beyond perfect and imperfect like oh, Allen Ginsberg sings holy 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 in the beginning of one of his long poems and he describes all the gritty shit in the world so I hope that's helpful you went there it was thank you You're welcome like some people tell me or used to say remember meditation is a little new in our culture let's say less 60 years 40 years or new to us less 10 years or 20 years and we went through many decades of edu regular education so that's not that new it's been developing since the three r's 200 years ago and all but meditation sounds a little new to us so we don't necessarily have all the language and uh, nuances you know like what's the difference between thinking and awareness is there a difference 
heart and mind, body and soul. You know, now we talk about the left brain and the right brain, the rational and the intuitive. So this is kind of a new articulations of some very old ancient principles that we need to, you know, look into and learn if we try to think about it and talk about it. If we just practice, it's a little different because we don't have to necessarily articulate it all and guide ourselves every day, more like follow the instructions and get guidance when we can. And I know everybody here can. It's not that hard. Questions? You, uh, you touched on uh, Shunyata. And I know, I know, we should have mentioned that. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> As I said, the toughest nut to crack in Buddhist philosophy. And anatta, no self, is a close second. But they go together. Um, I love the, the definition as, as openness, considering it as openness. But um, how, does, how does one uh, maintain that view of it and not slip into nihilism, considering emptiness? Yes, back to the middle way. In the absolute, nothing really matters in you know cosmic time and space. But in the relative, everything counts. That's the world of karma. So those are co-emergent or simultaneously true. Like we're all going to die is a universal truth. But that doesn't mean you just let your children run in traffic. That would be insane and you'd be locked up or taken away to parenthood. So in the relative level, Ethics, mindfulness, selfless love and compassion. But keeping in mind the bigger picture of death and impermanence and, you know, universes being born and dying in geologic time. And the dinosaurs being around for 75 million years and now where are they? And humans only being here for, I don't know, I forget what, a couple hundred thousand years since Cro-Magnon. So nihilism is what we call an extreme. Nothing matters. That could drive you crazy, like it drove Nietzsche crazy. Nietzsche understood emptiness, it seemed, and he died in the street crying and holding, uh, not died, he went crazy in the street. They picked, found him crying and holding the neck of a horse. But he understood emptiness, but he didn't understand compassion and interconnectedness. He was very alienated. So nihilism is an extreme, and on the other hand, materialism is extreme. Only what we see is real, and you have to weigh it or touch it. That's materialism. I'm not even talking about consumerism. Just everything is real, and nothing is real are two extremes. And, you know, it's a, it's a spectrum. And the highway of awakened life or sane life or wisdom, you know, is more like the middle way. It has many lanes. Just don't fall into the ditches on either side of nihilism or material realism, materialism. That's what they say. So I personally think that um, middle way is a Buddha's greatest teaching, and not just the middle way philosophy of Madhyamika, but the middle way of balance and appropriateness and not always and never. You know, in your relationship, you start shouting always and never, how well that works. Well, you're a teenager. I hate you. I'm never going to speak to you again. Can I just have a ride to the, the whatever tonight at 7.30? <laughs> Drop me off a block away so nobody sees you. 
Oh, it was never, you know, it's a, it never is a long time, I mean, too long, <laughs> and always is too much. It's oh, never always, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so beyond the extremes, the middle way, balance, appropriateness, moderation, even in moderation. On Saturday night or on New Year's Eve, a little less moderation, perhaps. The rest of the week, a little mo more moderation. You with me? As long as you don't go tilt, you know what that means? You remember the jukeboxes or whatever they were? Not the jukebox, what's that called? Pinball. If you, if you, because you're always trying to cheat, you know, and bump the, bump the thing so the ball goes in, but then the machine goes tilt and all the lights go. Bah! So the middle way, balance and appropriateness. And in fact, we're always making things tilt, aren't we? Because we're bumping. We're trying, you know, we're not just trying to play the game and follow the rules or get around the rules. It's also part of playing the game, right? Find the loopholes. But then, you know, we start that too much, then <laughs> things blow up. I want to, again, extol the middle way. We always hear about Buddhism and mindfulness meditation, compassion, empathic, warm compassion, as the Dalai Lama says, loving-kindness, metta. We don't hear enough about the middle way of balance, of equality and evenness, and sort of equanimity, of patience, not just patience like waiting for light to change or somebody to come out of the Starbucks bathroom. <laughs> That's called impatience. But patience, like keeping the longer view in mind, like when you're raising kids. Well, maybe there's the terrible twos, but maybe, you know, by the, the, the 25s you get a good year. I don't know. Or the 19th. In the longer view, you still have parents, whether you like or hate what they're doing, you still love them. And in the big love, which is much bigger than the polarities of like and dislike, you get a more enduring patience, even when you're impatient. You have patience with that. And you say, oh, you know, you'll take a breath, or you go in the other room, or hide in the bathroom. While the inmates run the asylum for a few minutes, then you come out again and play director. I mean, it's just rolls. Okay, everything's clear? Very good. Have a good practice. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.